welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. Coming in at you, one of the hosts, Caleb Shively. That's me. That's very aggressive, Caleb. You're both coming in and you're coming it's at very them. very aggressive. It's just wow. aggressive. I mean, fine, whatever. I don't want to argue with you, especially this early in the show. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, we will be arguing later. That's kind of the point of the show, unless we agree, which maybe we will. Um, Oh, I disagree with that. Yeah, well, there we go. It started already. So it's actually Best Choice Movies. Every week we talk about two movies. One of them's old. One of them's new. Uh, Both of them are good, theoretically, or as we used to say, but we haven't said lately, uh, in the genre of good. In the genre of good. They're in the genre of good You heard it was good from your friend that you trust your opinion on because they also liked... uh, 10 Things I Hate About You in high school. <laughs> you hear someone say the name of the movie, and you're like, oh, yeah, I heard that was good. Yeah. <laughs> but you, like, have not seen it, and maybe you have no desire to see it. <laughs> um, but uh, so this week we're talking about two films about, um, could I say, mentally ill women? Is that is uh, that appropriate to say? Yeah, I would say that's very appropriately say. They suffer from mental illnesses. Uh, they uh, take medication, and both the movies are marketed as a little bit quirky. Yes. Uh, so Quir- this quirky, me- quirky mental, quirky mental illness, <laughs> quirky mental illness dramedies starring women. Um, so we're talking about Horse Girl starring Allison Brie. That's from this year, two thousand twenty. And then we're talking about Welcome to Me starring Kristen Wiig. That's from two thousand fifteen. Is that? Uh, I didn't actually even write the year down. Uh, but two thousand fifteen makes sense. It's, it feels uh, like maybe like fourteen movie. or thirteen post bridesmaids pre diary of a teenage girl. I wrote in my notes that it's in the 14 to 16 window because she was doing a lot of weird stuff in that oh, time sure. frame. So it was in that window somewhere. Uh, anyway, those are the two movies this week. Uh, that's all this week on Actually Best, Best Choice, Choice Movies. movies. Uh, before we get to any of that, uh, Caleb, like, what have you been watching this week? We had a short a little bit of week. We had a little bit of shorter weeks. No, no, not as much turnaround for me. earlier in the week than yeah. usual. And also, you were doing unusually for you. You were doing like real things in the real oh, world. Oh, I had a uh, time to do that, but I was on a plane during that time. Well, that's true. Yeah, uh, but it was short enough flight where uh, they didn't have the movies turned on, but they did at first, and then they turned it off. That seems very rude. So it was weird because uh, so I got on and like, oh wait, the movies. There are movies. Judy is on. Uh, and it was, I didn't know what it was, but it turned out to be just the final scene of Judy. What? So I watched the final scene of Judy, but it, 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 it looped around again. I was like, oh, cool. I'll continue watching it. Uh, and then they stopped it after the very first scene in Judy. <laughs> so I got to watch the final scene and the first scene of Judy. And I think that's enough for me. I mean, how was it? Was it good? Uh, it wasn't bad. Delight. So what? You have to be home for your mommy to put you to bed. Uh, she hams it up in that. I guess that's the whole thing. She's just putting on that uh her Renee Zellweger, Oscar-winning Renee Zellweger. Oscar-worthy uh, performance, yeah. would you say? Uh, th- but the first scene in the movie is uh, young Judy Garland, played by a younger girl, and uh, the <laughs> casting director of I Wizard just... of Oz uh, specifically tells her, some girls' noses, uh, the bridge of their nose may be short, smaller than yours. I'm like, that's a very specific very, burn. Was that a compliment or no. uh, an insult? No, it was, a, it was an insult. That's really weird. Wish I would have saw the middle... 125 minutes. I, know, I love this idea that you're reviewing the movie based on the last and first scene. It's basically like you're a film executive looking at the script. <laughs> you read the first 10 pages and the what last got, 10 pages. What brings me an end? What takes me out here? All right, all right, all right. Let's uh, see what the fuck I, is I going on. I did see this. a movie. I, but, in, I mean, but to be okay. clear, can we just say these flights were like 30 minute flights? So it's not uh, crazy that they didn't have the movie. One was like an on. hour and another one was like 30 minutes, yeah. Yeah, right. So, you know. I did catch uh, The Wedding Singer too, which, you know, after watching Uncut Gems, I uh, see Adam Sandler explode like that. Like, man, yeah. Great actor. I mean, it's, also, a, it's a pretty singers, good movie. Pretty good, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh I did go to the theater, though. Of course I did. Uh, there is the movie called The Lodge, which oh, they've sure. been harping at us for for so long. It was supposed to be re- released in October. got finally released now in February. Remind me of what this movie is, is about. Uh, it's Riley Keough. Uh, she takes her and uh, the beau she's dating. It's his two kids, Jaden Martell from uh, The It and... What else is he in? Midnight Special, okay, Knives yeah, Out, yeah, yeah. that kid. Um, and his another girl actor. I don't know the daughter's <laughs> actress's name. But yeah, she takes two stepkids. Not stepkids because she's not married. but um, right, Her boyfriend's kids. Yeah. And uh, they're just cut off upstate uh, in the winter in a winter cabin. How would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. 
That's our mom's hat. Oh, I'm sorry. I... Uh, it's actually really well written. It's like a spooky horror movie. Uh, it is, uh, but like to not spoil anything, nothing really. I guess it's it's more like eerie. Uh, it's from the directors who did Goodnight Mommy, which was about uh, a mom getting plastic surgery and scaring her two uh, twin boys, and then they take revenge on her. Do you see that? What? Shit? No, I have Goodnight Mommy is crazy. Movie. Yeah, it's from. Uh, she gets wait. So the plot of the movie is she gets a plastic surgery and scares her two boys. It scares her kids that she likes is wrapped up. Her face is wrapped up, and so like they think it's, it's a monster. Not, not intentionally. No, 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 no. She's not right. intentionally. Yeah, it scares her kids, and then like they want to take revenge on this monster that <laughs> took their mom. It's a weird movie. Oh my god! So they they're taking revenge on their mother, who they think is a monster. Yeah, I saw the stone like six years ago, so I'm not gonna like remember <laughs> so much. Uh, but this new one, the lodge, is uh, actually very well written. I've actually gotten to arguments about it with people, like, "Oh, did that? It's because this happened. That's because this happened." People say they didn't like it. I appreciate that you're trying not to spoil it. Yeah, but it's also, hard not it's to very spoil. hard to follow what you just said. Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. Uh, it's not so much a twist as oh, that's well written enough where like that twist is just good writing. Which okay. Is just a good twist. That's cool. <laughs> uh, was that it for you this week? Uh, I talked about the wedding singer, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, ne- never enough. Can you ever talk about the wedding singer enough? Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. The main reason I remember the wedding singer is my manager at Old Navy when I was sixteen. Uh, it was like for some reason I had to go. It was like we had to get something from her house for work, and this was like everyone was like, "Oh yeah, we need to get this thing from my house," and she was like, "Oh, does anybody want to?" For some reason, someone had to drive her. Like, she didn't have a car or something. And I was like, well, I can drive you. And then we got there, and then she started showing off her DVD player to me and putting in The Wedding Singer. <laughs> and I very strongly had the vibes that she wanted to make out and or have sex with me. But she was, like, a lot older. Not a lot older than me, maybe, like, in her mid-20s. And I was, like, 16 or 17. And I was very overwhelmed and didn't know what to do about it. So <laughs> this is the main thing You're I think of when I think boy, of she's like, Wedding these Singer. These kids, like, uh, Sandler? Yeah, she's like, hey, look, it's got DVD extras. You want to hang out in my apartment for a while? And oh. I was like, huh, 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 I think we have to get back to work. <laughs> Sorry. I would have been really into the DVD extras. Like, what else we got in here? Yeah, you commentary? would have just sat down and watched it. we watch the, the entire movie with commentary? Yes, you would have been there for four hours watching DVD extras <laughs> for The Wedding Singer, for sure. Um, unusually for me, I actually watched several movies this, this several. week. Several? Yeah. Um, I watched, uh, Catherine and I watched Detective Pikachu. Did you see this film? No. I mean, do you do you have hostile feelings towards Detective Pikachu? I have no feelings towards uh, <laughs> the Pokemon uh, genre. In are general. you? But you are of the age to be obsessed with Pokemon, and you you never were obsessed no, with Pokemon. No, never. No. Really? Was this like on? Was this like the way I purposely didn't see movies that were popular? Did you not uh, get into Pokemon because everyone I else got, liked like, Pokemon? I bought a pack of cards out of just you know you you have to at one point, mm-hmm. and just like I remember like looking at that like oh this is hilarious, and I was like wait th- I'm, I'm making fun of it, and then I never bought another thing. <laughs> Would you never watch the cartoon show or played I any tried. of the video games? I tried, not for me. Yeah, so I'm a little bit older than Caleb. I I was maybe 13 or 14 when Pokemon first started airing on television in in the United States. Uh, So I watched it a lot because I was into watching cartoons. You know, I always have been my whole life. Um, But I never played any of the video games or played the card games. You know, I remember hearing good things about this film. And I think until this weekend's performance of Sonic the Hedgehog, this was like one of the best, you know, video game to movie adaptations. Like people that are love, they feel like the captures the spirit really well. Oh, right? did it? Um, Isn't it Ryan Reynolds voicing a detective version of Pikachu? He does. Yes, that is the that is what the movie's about. It's like a little annoying. Uh, you know, he's like Ryan Reynolds doing Ryan Reynolds shtick the entire time. Sure. He's like Deadpool for kids, you oh, know, but damn. it's Pikachu. So you're a talking Pikachu with no memories who's addicted to caffeine. I could stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. Black as night. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> I was, um, it sounds like I would hate this. Uh, but, you know, it was, like, pretty cute, I would say. I mean, Bill Nye is in it. He's, like, I do does like a Bill pretty Nye. good job. Um, and I feel like there were some other people that popped up who I'm now completely forgetting. I mean, mostly people love the movie because it managed to make the Pikachu, the Pokemon look like they would exist in the real world <laughs> in a way that is like doesn't is there make more them than look... just Pikachu like a Squirtle or a Psyduck. Yes, all of the Pokemon are really? in this movie. Yeah, it has, and and you can watch the movie when knowing nothing about Pokemon. Like I, Catherine knows nothing about Pokemon. I know like a little bit about Pokemon, but there's like lots of I guess in jokes if you're familiar with Pokemon. Yeah, all basically all of them are in Pokemon? it, and they look like living creatures that you would encounter in the real that world. That makes me interested to see how they actually designed it. 
I mean, I think if you got really it. high and watched it, you would have a great time, in yeah. all honesty. Uh, Bulbasaur. What was my man's name? Uh, yeah, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, uh, Charizard. Yeah, I forget more of them. Charmander. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty fine. And then I was telling Caleb about this earlier, but just this afternoon, I came from a baby, a baby-friendly screening of 1917. <laughs> uh, babies love war movies. So I took my three-month-old baby to see 1917. <laughs> This is like at Alamo Drafthouse, they do this thing where they kind of leave the lights up and you're allowed to bring your baby and it's like, okay, if the baby cries and stuff. And they just do it for whatever movies are playing. They don't have special like baby movies. Babies can't it's, tell. It's, it's for the parents, right? The babies don't know what the fuck, they don't know what the fuck they're looking at. Um, I mean, I will say my baby did skit stare at the screen for a long time. I mean, it's a one shot the whole time. She had to look for those edits. She had to look for those edits, baby. She was hunting for those edits. Except when you get shot and then it's clearly too... Shots the whole time. But, like, that was cool. I mean, you saw 1917. I remember you talking a lot of shit about that movie, and that was basically why I didn't see it. I always said I prefaced it with I liked it, uh, but it's just a gimmick. Like, I didn't follow the follow the characters I followed the camera. I thought thought it was an action movie in the purest sense, meaning that, like... It didn't care about the actual plot or mastications of the... uh, the war. <laughs> the mastication. So you didn't care about it chewing the war? Is oh, that I guess that's mean? what mastication is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's an action movie in that you're, you're, the characterization and the emotion come from watching people do actions. Like, you're just watching them do Walk stuff. down the road. Like, there's this scene in the beginning, sort of towards the beginning of the movie, where one character has um, stuck their hand on barbed wire. And you've kind of you've seen them do it, and then they're covered in mud, and you can kind of see him holding his hand, and you're like, oh, he's like trying not to get his hand fucked up because it you know it might get infected or something and you're kind of a little worried about it and these, there's all these dead bodies everywhere and and then they get startled by a I think it's like a, a dead person's face and he kind of rears back and he puts his hand completely into the chest cavity of a dead body and then kind of pulls it out and looks at it like well fuck never mind I guess it's all fucked up now and I just thought that was like that was the kind of thing the movie did really well which was it wasn't anything that was said or but it was like a good bit of characterization and it was like real people People in this extreme situation, you know, trying to just survive. You know, yeah, I, I it was thought, a good War as Hell movie, but you know, yeah, it was a good War as Hell movie. That's been done. If anything, it was like a little jingoistic. I was saying, like, uh, the British people don't ever do anything bad. <laughs> Anytime they meet a, a German person, they try to help or at least not kill them, oh, and yeah. the German person immediately tries to kill them, which is like, mm, okay, Sam Mendes. Like, I don't, I'm sure they're not. They weren't all like that, you know. Uh, it is a good, and they've. Uh, this is not a spoiler because you've seen any previous for it. It's the one shot where he's running across the field right. against. Yeah, it's a good shot. It's That's a good shot. shot. And what they don't show in the trailer is that he does like run full on into several other people yeah. who are running the other way. And he, <laughs> he trips falls. over them. They fall. It's yeah, a good thing happens. to pay. T- it's, it was fun to pay attention to on the big screen. Yeah. And I will say as far as it being a one shot gimmick, like I definitely forgot that it was one shot several times because no. you're just kind of swept <laughs> up in what's happening. You know? See, I, 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 I couldn't do that. I was just more looking at like, okay, what are they going to do here? What are they going to do here? Like, oh, see, no, I was just, I was just yeah, swept I, away I got, in the emotion, Caleb. You I know? could not get swept up by that emotion. Well, first you'd have to have emotions. So like, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> um, I did like, there was a really cool shot where he like falls into a, a river uh, and it's just oh, like, yeah. I think he falls down a waterfall, and then it's like the camera just like before it zooms completely out. It's just like, oh wait, how big is this body of water going? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then it gets bigger, and like, oh okay, cool, this is fucked up. Also, it's, not, it's not a bad movie. It's just not, not a bad movie. Uh, I mean, it's definitely worth watching. Look, if you need something to do on a plane, yeah, or it's with worth your watching. Dad, it's you know? not worth uh, Oscars. I don't know. It won. It won the ones it expected to win. Which Oscars did it win again? Cinematography for Deacons. Okay, all right. Two fair two enough. years in a row, Roger. Congratulations. Went fair from, enough. Perpetually underrated to now, okay. Possibly quit, over. Quit giving Correctly Oscars, rated? Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> Correct, Correctly rated. Yeah, right. Uh, we better give him an Oscar for the next Coen Brothers movie he does just for the sake of it. Um, <laughs> it won for special effects. It won for mixing, not editing sound. I could mm. be get. I could got that reversed. That's very weird. And the Oscar goes to 1917. Mark Taylor and Stuart Wilson. Um, so anyway, that's enough of that nonsense. Uh, our first movie this week is 2020's direct-to-Netflix movie starring Alison Brie, Horse Girl. Are you okay? I don't know. So it's kind of hard to know what to say about Horse Girl, the new film from writer-director Jeff Baina, I guess is maybe how you say his name. Baina. 
Baina, yeah. Uh, it was also co-written by its star, Alison Brie. So on one level, it's kind of a small stakes indie drama about an, a more or less identifiable real person, uh, which is kind of a throwback to early 2000s cinema like Good Girl or Junebug. And speaking of those films, it also centers around a difficult-to-like woman who's making her way painfully through something like the real world. Um, and, you know, look, there aren't enough films like that. There should be more of them. That's very true. On another level, it's a metaphysical, supernatural-ish movie about a woman with mental illness. Um, both types of films, though, I'd say are something you'd expect from the Duplass brothers who produced the movie. And Jay Duplass also has a key uh, late role in the film. Um, speaking of roles, your feelings about this movie will have a lot to do with your feelings about its star, Alison Brie, who is, you know, it's basically the Alison Brie show, right? Like she's in every scene and we're watching, we're watching her fall apart over the course of the movie. You know, like, do you think she is a good actress? Is it tiresome for us to be made to believe as we're asked to in three seasons of Glow that she is regular looking and not a beautiful movie star? Um, you know, it, it kind of... Your ability to access this movie may depend a lot on how you feel about the answers to those questions. Uh, I have my own answers. Caleb, how do you feel about this movie? Oh, uh, you know, uh, it, it does depend on Brie a lot. Uh, as a title of The Horse Girl, she brings it. She's co-wrote it, which is kind of cool. And she said she based a lot of her writing off of her own experiences with her own uh, mother and grandmother, which is, you know, great. good, good yeah, for right. you. Be an, be an artist in there. And I, I did say she did a good job. Uh I think my previous favorite Allison Brie thing is uh, Annie Edison from Community. I always thought she was really good oh, in there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's amazing. You have to say Allison Brie has had, like, for someone as young as a she is, like, yeah. an amazingly, she's been in some great, like, you know, Mad Men, Trudy Community, Campbell, yeah. Glow, Bojack, Bojack Horseman. Horseman. Yeah, right. I mean, these are all amazing things that she's done. Dating a Franco brother. Uh, <laughs> right, sure. So, yeah, she's like a was quiet. It Dave? Is Dave? Dave, yeah, yeah. Dave. Yeah, uh, they were fine. in uh, Jeff Bana's last movie together. Little, little hours, hours yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's like a quiet and quirky girl, and yeah, that could be like a little one note, especially if you play it a certain way. And for how this movie's written, she works at a craft store, uh, which is called Good Length, and I thought that was a good name for a craft store. Uh, yeah, loves horses. Oh, and loves... her coworker there is Molly Shannon, oh, yeah. which is amazing. Like always, great to see. They have Molly very good Shannon. chemistry together too. Yeah, Molly Shannon is fantastic. A surrogate mother movie. to her in this a little bit. She's very sweet yeah. and seems to be the only person who genuinely cares about her. But yeah, I think it's all working uh, at this. Like, yeah, she watches her favorite show called Purgatory the whole time and loves it. I did. There was a, actually a really uncomfortable moment for me where Alice and Bree, and we're supposed to think of how basically how sad her life is, and she's laying there watching Purgatory on TV, and the shot of the TV of what her watching purgatory is basically like just an inch smaller than my own tv <laughs> that i was watching this movie on and i was like okay well i don't know i guess i should go do something <laughs> <laughs> yeah that if, any, if anyone could relate to uh having your roommate like oh you're still watching your show okay <laughs> um but yeah it does all this uh work to uh before we even get into like the thick of it like this is like the first 20 minutes like it just establishes all this stuff to pity her yeah you're pitying her establish her as pity yeah as a pitiful yeah. person and uh like, her roommate hates her, her roommate's boyfriend hates her, you know. Yeah, uh, and then it happens uh, where the the mental illness issues start to flare up. Uh, and I think she's that's when she starts doing a really good job of not playing so much as weird and quirky or, like, the weirdo aspects of it as more of just, like, the tougher aspects of it. Like, how this is scary or how, like, right. she doesn't know how to feel about certain things. Uh, and like she's like kind of terrified. It kind of brings like uh, like the score in this movie didn't work for me, but it was because it was kind of like light at points, and then when it get to really like almost like horror, John Carpentery type score. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, I thought her performance kind of led itself to like okay, that justifies how scary a mental illness can be as a person who doesn't know it too much. That but yeah, like oh, this is playing good. Yeah, I mean, basically we're talking around this, but it's basically at a certain point in the movie she starts to suffer from like schizophrenia i guess yeah she just starts yeah. having like nosebleeds uh they allude to uh it runs in her family yeah like her mother committed suicide a, and her grandmother was institutionalized there's a, lots of shots of her looking at water <laughs> yes that's true that's how they also introduce it what i thought was really interesting about the mental illness stuff having known tangentially a couple of people that are schizophrenic they don't think that they're crazy 
to their own minds, they're making not they're not just making sense; they're making more sense than anyone else. Do you know what I mean? Like they're they have a, they're they're explaining oh, yeah, to they you follow, they why follow, yeah. like why what they're saying makes sense, and they don't know why you can't understand. They followed it. A, a line that got him to where they are, and that makes some sense. Yeah. So that was I thought that was portrayed actually really really well in this movie. Yeah, I think she does a really good job in this movie. But the movie doesn't do a good job. Like, it's like uh, okay, it you like know? starts off like okay, quirky, and then when it starts uh, happening, the weird stuff starts happening to her. It just happens so fast. I mean, I understand the the structure of a script is like the first act is you know you're establishing the world, and then the, the inciting incident happens, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like. They spend so much time establishing the world, and then they like completely abandon it, basically, because it becomes just, this crazy. Yeah, abandon it for a series illness. of uh, just uh, checkpoints to it. Like, uh, there's a like I'm a big fan of the actor John Reynolds who plays a love interest in this movie. Oh, what else is he? Uh, uh, Search know. Party, which also oh, okay. has cool. uh, Meredith Salinger, who's also in this movie. Uh, he's a uh, um, annoyance theater guy. He's on Stranger Things, I guess sometimes. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, John Reynolds, great guy. Look him up. But he's funny. He's even funny in this movie, but. It's to the point where, like, this movie's not funny anymore, though. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of, like, weird and funny at the beginning where you're just, like, learning about things. Like, oh, okay. And it's, like, presented quirky enough. And then, like, I don't... I'm not ready to laugh. At, like, they had, like, a really awkward date. First right. date dinner scene, and it ends at a graveyard. It ends with her screaming, like, schizophrenic things and it's at just, him like, in kind a of fun- And it, it is kind of funny that how it happened, but also, like, the way they're playing it's it. Like, not no, funny. It's, it's, it's not, not funny. They're not playing it for laughs. All they're playing saying, it. Like, this is so fucked up. Yeah. She's saying, like, we're going to dig up my mom. <laughs> yes. Get her DNA tested. See, it's kind of funny, but what do you say? But not it's at all. Not, it's not funny at all. <laughs> uh, or And even the reverse of that, um, like, when it, her problems start to, like, come full fold, and there's, like, a climactic scene where she... Uh, shows up to work not knowing where she is and she's nude and they have to like wrap her up wrap her up i'm like oh cool that's just like the next progression for this movie is just to like yeah. keep showing things of her mental state also like so it's called the horse girl and there's a whole subplot where it's basically they never say it outright but we're given to understand that she used to own a horse she no longer owns the horse but she still goes and hangs out at the stable and like sort of bothers everyone and acts bothers like she the, the new horse. horse's owner bothers the girl that takes lessons on the horse uh watches her every day this is like every day it's like every day yeah. yeah exactly uh yeah yeah toby huss is the one of the oh yeah he's great it's great <laughs> to see toby huss but yeah. but i was going i was gonna say like but i never quite understood like what the symbolism of the horse was supposed to be or like why I don't that was think happening it was a symbolism or... maybe it was just to show like hey here's a weird person a, a trope in the world uh the horse, girl. horse girl like tina right. from uh, motherfucking bob's bees bob's burgers right she's sure, a horse exactly. girl do you think horses get songs stuck in their heads oh my god so she's just like taking like she's like the horse girl it's like, like she's looking, like the er horse yeah. girl I mean, I guess so, but also like, I, I was just like, I felt like that part didn't really go anywhere. I felt like I didn't learn anything from didn't. that. It didn't, yeah. Uh, she could have, could have been easily called craft store employee. Well, exactly, right? And that would have been a lot more like appropriate, yeah. you know? Could have been called great lengths. Like, <laughs> the lengths she'll go to to prove that she's a clone from outer space, you know? Uh, I guess there is like a little bit of trauma with the horse because she has a, a friend, which is the aforementioned mayor, the Salinger, who uh, doesn't, she used to ride with as a kid who... Uh, got oh, into right. an accident and so she always just visited her not out of it's sweet very sweet not out of any guilt really but it's more just out of just like, like spend time together yeah just yeah. to spend time with her um but yeah it didn't really go anywhere and it's i don't know there's a lot of stuff in this movie i mean it just like wants to instead of like digging into the mental aspect stuff it just like shows you things that can happen with mental aspects uh and like you said it can go through that line of like conspiracy theory and that's where this movie ultimately ends, ends up like she uh, we get to see a nightmare she has i, I assume this is what it is, I, well, this so is my this interpretation movie ends with this like i don't know a full half hour of like yeah. completely bonkers stuff where it, so basically it's like she's been committed because she's having all these episodes and we as the viewer watch her make a ninja suit out of this fabric whose color she someone has told her is protective she does steal the horse i guess then and that, stalk around and she like puts an outfit on the horse and then she's like what else does she like goes to her work she goes to a bunch of other places 
and it's not quite clear if it's really happening or they if it's go not off really in the happening. Middle of the wood at the end, yeah. Well, there, then there's kind of like a break because then it's like she goes, she wakes up in, back in the room at the mental institution, but then she's there with a girl from her nightmares who confirms to her. Galula from her smell, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, support the girls. And it's like they, she sort of confirms that all of her hallucinations are are real, and then she's having a talk with Jay Duplass, who's her psychiatrist. And then there's another, like a second level of fantasy or delusion, mm-hmm. or maybe is it real? Question mark. Um, where she's like puts on all because she's she keeps saying she looks exactly like her grandmother and she's yeah, a clone yeah. of her grandmother. And then she's like, no, I am my grandmother because like she's saying her grandmother thought she was from the future and she's being abducted by aliens mm-hmm. and like they even like establish a couple instances of time loss. Uh, yeah, yeah. And she like even frantically Google searches losing time like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, if this sounds all confusing, it, it's because it is because they just like the introduce all this stuff, and again, instead of like playing with it, it just like piles it upon the stuff. I mean, it, it reminds into me an of an ending of like I guess it. I, I I took that ending as a nightmare that she was yeah, having. Yeah, delusion. <laughs> but I mean, you could. I mean, it doesn't tell you the film. I mean, you could yeah, take it, it as like, oh, actually, she sorry was right. To, I mean, you could s- take sorry it that to way. spoil, but like that's what ultimately made me not enjoy the movie as much is because in. Choosing to be this ambiguous uh, metaphor, I guess, uh, about her mental illness, it kind of almost washes its hands, establishing all the good work it did about mental illness before. Uh, well, right, exactly, because it, it lets itself off the hook, right? It's not it's not doing the tough work of saying, like... Like, we end in a nightmare, ends in this, like, false reality, which is like, oh, that's... I don't know. It, it didn't work for me. I mean, it also <laughs> it reminds me of, speaking of the Duplass brothers, of, like, a movie I also didn't really like, which, which is Safety Not Safety Guaranteed. Not guaranteed. I was thinking of yeah. that, too, yeah. Because it's, like, it's like a, a very grounded movie about someone who is obviously has mental problems, but then at the end, it's like, well, maybe they were right. Mm-hmm. And you're like... Well, just have the courage to do it one way or the other. Do you know what I mean? Like you're you're oh, the yeah. film. You're made by the filmmakers. Like if you if you want to say something, out, yeah. say it. You know, like Chris mentioned, safety not guaranteed, starring Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza, sure, dating uh, Jeff Bana. Jeff Bana, director of Horse Girl. Oh yeah, so of course she starred in The Little Hours and also yep. Life After Beth, which is his other movie. Well, I like that Life After Beth. Which he also, also had Molly wrote, Shannon. He also wrote I Heart Huckabees. Yep, co-wrote I Heart Huckabees. Yeah, which is amazing. You know, uh, a favorite movie. film of mine. You know, yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, Joshi, I think, is his other Joshi, movie. Joshi, yeah, he directed which Joshi Which is on Hulu. Well. Uh, if you want to see Thomas Middleditch stretch his acting <laughs> abilities. Thomas Middleditch vehicle. <laughs> yeah, Pally's actually really good in it. And uh, Alex Ross Perry is actually a good actor in it. Oh, is he, he, he in, he's yeah. in it as an actor Yeah, in he's, movie? he doesn't oh, act enough. He's a very good actor. I mean, I you know I I like middle. I went to see Middle Ditch and Schwartz when they were here, like which was great. I, I think mean, they're doing it, that again. I, they're doing it like constantly yeah. now. Um, although now that Benny Schwa is like the number one star in the world, I don't know if they can <laughs> keep doing it. You know, this like what was it was like a fifty million dollar opening for Sonic or something like that. Uh, it's probably going to go down super. We're not going to care about it anymore. <laughs> it's very pessimistic, Caleb. Hey, but Jim yeah, Carrey though. I, I was going to say that. So this movie reminded me a lot of when like. When you watch a British TV show, like a drama, or like a mystery show, um, a lot of times it will mistake not giving you any information for being sophisticated. Yeah. I thought this movie suffered from that a lot where it didn't it didn't ever at all give you any direction as to what was going on, which I I feel like it felt was sophistication, but it was really just confusing and it mm-hmm. was frustrating for the viewer. They established that uh, Sarah is not a, a reliable, the unreliable narrator. Sarah is right. an unreliable narrator. Uh, which, you know, those can be really good movies. David Lynch does stuff like this all the time, and this movie wishes it oh could God, touch it that. Does. But yeah, as we follow her journey, uh, it just, I don't know, there's like some real things they put in that I found more interesting than the actual in her brain fantasy that they actually end up being, the movie ends up being. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to do this movie because I had seen the trailer somewhere, I think, like, on Netflix It was or at something. Sundance. It got good reviews at Sundance. It got Sundance? bought up pretty quick. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Alison Brie, right? You know? Yeah. And again, I like good. The Little Hours. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and it does, I will say the opening of the movie, like, the first, the opening, the opening credits, like, it has a very interesting look. It reminds me of The Little Hours in a certain way. It's very stylish. Mm-hmm. But then the movie, like, abandons that immediately. It's, it's no longer stylish, I would say, after the very, very beginning. Uh, good cast all around. We mentioned a lot of names. Uh, Paul Reiser. Also Paul Riser is in a it. scene. That's um, her rich stepdad, I guess, is yeah. what he is. Um, but he was great. I mean, it's always nice to see Paul Riser. He's yeah. like continuing the Rizesance. Or... Oh yeah, there's a Mad About You. Oh my god. Well, I was thinking more. He was in Stranger Things, and he was in, he was in the Whiplash. show Red Oaks. You ever watched that? Oh, I loved Red Oaks. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So many great directors on Red Oaks. Yeah, I don't know. It was. I don't know. I, I, I watched it with my wife, and when it was over, I said, "Well, what did you think about that?" And she said, 
you know, it was fine, <laughs> which I think <laughs> in a way is like the perfect review of this movie. Like, you know, it was fine. It was fine. You know, it wasn't anything like that I want to revisit or I didn't particularly feel challenged or it didn't spark a lot of thoughts in me. Uh. <laughs> it was just like, eh, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes you need a little audition tape of a movie to get out to beggar movies. So, hey. I mean, do you think that's what this is for Alison Brie? Do Definitely. You think she's like swinging for like, because she's mostly it's, been doing like extremely good prestige TV her mm-hmm. whole career. Some supporting work in like movies uh, too. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but always like very small roles. Uh, but yeah, get her, get her in, get her into bigger and better things. She seems very interested in not being a pretty person. Do you know what I mean? Oh, All yeah. of her roles lately are her. They do this thing with her where they like, don't let her wear eye makeup and they mess up her hair. And that's like every scene she's in in glow. And then like this entire movie, that's the way they make her look regular, quote unquote, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, you know, everybody looks weird. If you look at them long enough, they use you know. reverse conditioner where it makes your hair scraggly. <laughs> exactly. Do you want to talk about our next movie? Our next movie is 2014s. I looked it up while we were oh, doing something shoot. else. <laughs> Welcome to me. Thanks for calling the California lottery. If you're calling to report a winning, just say I'm a winner at any time. I'm a winner at any time. I was born in the year 1971 in Simi Valley, California, and I've been using masturbation as a sedative since 1991. A cable access show where its creator reenacts childhood traumas, eats meatloaf cake she makes, and plays a game of me versus mom sounds like a perfect vehicle for a Saturday Night Live star transitioning into more dramatic movies. But Welcome to Me, starring Kristen Wiig, looks at the bigger picture past that TV show and into it the mental state and well-being of that creator. Uh, Wig plays that creator. Her name is Alice Klieg, a woman diagnosed with borderline, borderline personality disorder who stops taking her meds shortly after winning the lottery. This leads her to basically buy <laughs> her own talk sentence. show. such a great sentence. Sorry to interrupt, that. it's such <laughs> yeah. a great sentence. It's a lot of This leads her to basically buy her own talk show, which broadcasts her mania ego, and drastic impulses to the world at large. Uh, This is played realistically, and the movie charges through this fairly ludicrous premise thanks to Wig and a good supporting cast, including Joan Cusack, James Marsden, Linda Cardellini, and ABC favorite Tim Robbins. Uh, (laughs) Funny, sad, and most... Wes Bentley, Wes Bentley. (laughs) Oh, Wes Bentley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Funny, sad, but mostly bizarre... Welcome to Me is the movie we are talking about now. Chris, <laughs> let's talk about it now. So, Caleb, like, I, I watched this movie years and years ago. Yeah, uh, I saw it in theaters, I remember. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, like that was, you know, kind of awkward. And, like, it was, I didn't really think it was very funny. But I watched it the day after watching Horse Girl, and I was like, this movie is fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, it's compared to Horse Girl, it is a romp. Yeah, you know it, what I mean? it, uh, states its idea more clearly and it is a very weird it's a bizarre movie it's a much better constructed yeah. film right i mean it has like it starts somewhere and it goes mm-hmm. somewhere the characters there, have like desires that they're trying to fulfill mm-hmm. you know there is some leaps in logic but at I least mean, they sure, give those yeah. a couple sentences uh to do but yeah it, watching it this time it kind of reminded me of uh a twee version of Network. <laughs> network, great movie. 1976, uh, won Oscars. We love Network. Uh, a Network was a movie about a news anchor keeping his job when he loses his mind because it gets ratings. Where uh, Woken Me is now uh, an Oprah wannabe keeps her job after losing her mind because it's keeping the production company afloat. Yeah, basically, she writes them a check. She goes into this meeting at this local cable access station and says, uh, oh, I want a TV show. And they make up, they lie to her about how much each episode will cost. They say like, oh, it'll be like $150,000 an episode. And she's like, okay, I want 100 episodes. How much money is that? And they go, uh, $15 million. And she just pulls out a giant checkbook and writes them a check. And then it's like, they have to do it. You know, They have to do everything that she wants to it do. It does cover some costs. And it is kind of funny to see like the first episode, like, oh, that wasn't didn't look that nice. But then she's like, oh, I want more things. And then she gives them more money. And by then, it's like a lot of CGI, beautiful rotating sets. Yeah. Like <laughs> professional uh, theme song, you know, like all this she stuff. She finds this uh, place by watching an infomercial one light, showing up to the infomercial, running on stage to volunteer. <laughs> and the people in the control, but they're like, not the fucking crazy yeah. lady. Come on. 
Oh, and it's actually one of the early um, post-divorce roles from uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, really? She only has like one scene where she says lines, but she's kind of standing. She's one of the staff of the production company. Basically, all the staff think that this is crazy and they can't believe it's happening, but uh, it's owned by, uh, what's his face? Uh, James Marsden. James Marsden and his yeah. brother, Wes Bentley. Bentley. And they're like, they want the money because they're like, we're going to go out of business otherwise. Because they make infomercials for like... Mm-hmm algae drinks or something you know and they somehow were given to understand they own an entire tv channel and like a production studio when all they do is make infomercials for algae drinks which i that that's a leap in logic so if you're offered 15 if you're making a a, a shitty production studio in the in desert like palm desert yeah. california uh, and someone gives you 15 million dollars you probably look past a little yeah, bit of their cra- craziness. And the funny thing is then we're supposed to believe that all the staff are like, have a lot of integrity, you know, <laughs> they're all like, I can't believe you're taking advantage of this poor so, woman. Uh, the, and I'm sorry. If I say the word crazy and that is a trigger. I apologize. I try not to say that, but um, they do establish her mental illness early on by going to her uh, therapist, Tim Robbins and her being like, Oh yeah, I'm not taking my meds. I, you did. I, you did say, I have a split personality disorder. We have been doing all this work together. So it puts in the work of it, like actually establishing that she is like this person that, who is taken care of. Like we do see a lot of her like quirky stuff. Like we, the first shot of the movie is her apartment, which is hundreds and hundreds of VHS tapes that we find out yeah. are every single episode of Oprah. But she has them all taped. memorized and she, and she puts has... them in and like just says them all and does the hand motions Oprah is doing. And, and she like... also color codes her room. Like it goes from red to yellow. Oh, like, I, didn't, her... I didn't notice that. Yeah. It's very, very, yeah. It's completely fucking mental. Uh, there's this, uh, one of the opening scenes is she's walking through the desert uh, to buy the lottery ticket that wins, but she doesn't go in the store. Like people just know like, okay, put magazines and a lottery <laughs> ticket and ha- walk outside to hand it to her. She does this thing. I think it's when she first walks onto the um, cable access show or whatever, the infomercial where she says like, when I was young, I was diagnosed with manic depression. Then it became blah, blah, blah. Now they call it borderline personality disorder. Who can keep up? <laughs> she also keeps trying to say uh, that speech. She gets cut off when she wins the lottery that they just cut her up and it was, that she uh, medicated herself through masturbation. <laughs> She's like, I was born in 1977, a summer baby. Yeah. I've been using masturbation as a sedative since 1992. So this does sound like a Kristen Wiig SNL character. Uh, and it is, it's funny. And it's like so bizarre. It's really, it's actually yeah. really funny. It's a really funny uh, movie. But then they like take it realistically and like it's very grounded it's very yeah they look at like oh wait we're kind of like this is what it happens if this person gets a tv show to run amok uh some of the things that this production company just goes along with uh they let her call her therapist on air Uh, and he's like, can I hear people in the background there? And she's like, like oh, yeah, I'm at the airport. At the airport. <laughs> and he's like, oh, where are you going? And she goes, oh, I just had to mail a package. <laughs> uh, they let her cook a meatloaf cake, and then they let her eat it for five minutes on air. <laughs> she just eats the cake. And he's like, oh, are we going to go with her anything? Like, no, she just wants she, to do this. She goes, they go, it's Joan Cusack. She says, we're on this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they let her defame countless people on air she's she just reenacts a lot of her childhood traumas she uh has two actors always interrupts them as <laughs> she they interrupts them just it's like there'll be two reenactors one of them's her and one of them's the person she's mad at and then she'll run in in the middle of the reenactment and scream at the like person if she's i saw mad that at. on tv i'm like what is this this is amazing this is an amazing show yeah and exactly. there is someone like that a character in this movie who catches the show it's played by thomas mann from uh, me earl dying girl uh Sees it and is like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. He's a college student, starts writing a paper on it, tries to interview her, calls her, uh, she invented the narrative infomercial. And this all reminded me of like... Oh, and she also gives him a blowjob. Oh, yeah. yeah That's crazy. Limo, yeah. yeah. But that she character... She drives everywhere in a limo, right? Uh, that yeah. character kind of reminds me of like how I view like early like Tim and Eric stuff where like they like p- took on people, cast people with mental problems on yeah, their show. that's true, yeah. And you're like, you're just watching them. It's entertaining as hell. Uh, Tim and Eric always justified it themselves uh, as being like these people want to be on. Well, They're having like the time Kareen of their lives. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, Carmen totally. Kareen would say like, Letterman. You could say did that too. You're like, it's not. Ex- look, I think this person is cool and interesting. I'm letting them be themselves yeah. on film. And if you think it's exploitive, it's because you're judging mm-hmm. them and you think they're disgusting. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that. Yeah. Uh, and this, and they probably the, this production team d- was fine with her doing it. Uh, they were getting millions of dollars. Uh, exactly. It was going okay enough for a while. And then the breaking point, and this was a weird-ass climax of like, okay, this has gone too far. They let her neuter dogs 
<laughs> There's an episode of her show where she just not an episode. It's like several episodes <laughs> where she's neutering dogs. Neuters dogs. She says, "I'm going to neuter dogs," and they go on on air. <laughs> she's that's, like apparently used to be a, a veterinary nurse. And they like do this. They sh- they uh, they show the filming of the episode, and people just like are disgusted and, and walk she keeps out. calling them their walnuts. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's it's just a really enter- it's an entertaining movie. I, I I I like this movie. I'm glad I rewatched it again. Uh, but to criticize a little bit, it doesn't want to make fun of mental illness, which is good, a yeah, good I mean, thing. Yes. So uh, your criticism is it doesn't want to make fun so, of mental but illness. But it lands in that's this more, well, it doesn't want to make fun of this character with mental illness. So it lands in a more desperateness and a sadness that, she, yeah. uh, that Alice Klieg has. Like she's uh, mean to people. Yeah, yeah. Like me and Chris were just talking about this scene. Uh, like a, another big climax is uh, when she's like going way overboard. Uh, she sings a mountain goat song while walking naked through a casino. And she has these burn marks on her chest, and it's in slow motion. And there's dogs running around her, uh, and that's like, okay, this is the breaking point now. And then uh, it kind of has a too happy of an ending for my thing. I don't know to say anything. Yeah, she has like a big like uh, like final going away. Yeah, show. you kind of want this movie to like big do something, but like she's back on her meds and just apologizes to everybody. <laughs> she apologizes to everybody, makes everything right with everyone she wrongs. Yeah, it's and, a uh, happy, warm, fuzzy ending. Ends with, you know, she's has her nice boyfriend and is back in her apartment and, you know, everything's that, back where it started. She finally turns off a TV that she's been leaving on for 11 years straight. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing, right, is it's kind of like an indictment of people like you and me, Caleb, say, who, like, watch too much television. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's basically... It's it's a f- movie about like TV psychosis and like the psychosis that makes you want to be on television or like think, you know, you want to be watched by people, want to be heard by people, and like how mentally ill that is, you know. And so it's an indictment of like every actor in the world and like every yeah. fan of film and television in the world it makes them just seem like extremely sad and pathetic, which is also kind of what's going on in horse girl, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're saying she's like obsessed with this TV show and we're given to understand how sad and pathetic it is that she's obsessed with this TV that show. TV show is named purgatory, which is a little bit on the nose. Yeah, right. <laughs> she's exactly. living in this purgatory. I just wish it had, uh, speaking of now again, back to welcome to me, uh, a little, I don't know. For as dark as movie it was, I just wish it like kept that dark streak alive. <laughs> yeah, it kind of chickens out at a certain point, yeah. right? Which is fine. Maybe it didn't need the dark ending that people like me always want. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very the, art movie. I mean, it's a comedy, and you know, and in, in, in the Shakespearean sense, a comedy just means a, a something where it works out in the end. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's it's a comedy in that sense. Like it, there's personal growth. There's personal growth, and you know, everything works out in the end. Um, I think there's sort of an interesting uh, backstory to this movie. Um, not backstory exactly, but the reason it has such a great cast, and there's also people in it like Kulop Vilaysak, Scott oh, Hawkman's sure, sure, wife Scott. is in it. She has a great part. Not to s- define her in relation to someone else, you know, the documentarian and podcast host Kulop Vilaysak. Because the director of the movie is Shira Piven, who is uh, Jeremy Piven's sister and also is married to Adam McKay. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I would say it's not that hard to get like a really great cast for your extremely oddball movie. Also, of course, Chris, uh, Chris and Wig was very hot at this moment, oh, yeah. but it's just, you just, every role is filled by somebody that you're like, oh my God, wait, what? <laughs> you know? I like, I'm a big fan of Alan Tudyk who he plays in the Welcome to Me, uh, her ex-husband who's gay and she's very comfortable with that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just a very like 2014 Hollywood comedy crew. Mm-hmm. It's like basically all of those people are in this movie, um, which is interesting. I mean, and speaking of that, it came in this sort of weird period for Kristen Wiig, where obviously she made Bridesmaids, she was hugely popular, but then she spent the next several years making these like extremely yeah. insane things. She was making the um, those Lifetime movies with Will Ferrell that were like insane. Oh, she made um, the Skeleton Twins, obviously with um, with with uh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader, yeah, exactly. Uh, you're talking about the uh, the IFC with uh, Will Ferrell that that yeah, show. Yeah, like uh, um, like what are the names of all those movies? Yeah, I forget that. Oh, those the actual the lifetime actual movies. Lifetime she actually movies. made that's yeah. right. I forgot about that. The agency called and they have a new birth mother they want us to meet. I was thinking of the IFC show, uh, the um, the Spoils of Babylon. Spoils of Babylon. But she's yeah, only well, in the this, second that was season. Also in this period, that was really yeah. good. You are a bastard. I kicked heroin. But yeah, there was like two like for movie wise, uh, they gave her they gave her Hollywood. They gave uh, her. Hate Ship Love Ship, which I 
remember seeing in theaters, and also uh, Girl Most Likely, which I remember seeing in theaters and being like, why am I seeing this in theaters? But I remember that one being better than uh, better than Hey Ship, Love Ship because they have uh, Annette Benning in it. But yeah, no one remembers those movies. And the other thing that you have to say about this period in her career and that continues until now is I I was unaware that she is one of the main characters in How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, I and knew that, that. That seems I've to take up a lot before. of her time. That, that takes up a lot of her time. I knew that. Jonah, she's always she, uh, she's doing... a sister to uh, Jonah Hill's character. Yeah, and they're like not big characters. Like, Trogdor or something See, they're, like that. They're, they're, there's a group of like... We're talking about How to Train Your Dragon. There's like uh, Joan... Jo- Jay Baruchel and America Ferrera are like the lead teenagers, and then there's like six other teenagers, and she's like one the of them. TJ Miller's. Yeah. No, they're not bad. They're just the other ones. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> it really is like why is she, she's taking a paycheck for this movie. Uh, but there are two uh, great uh, supporting roles she's in, and they're a little bit that dark actor, darker she's very capable of. Uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl. Uh, she was great in. She was the yeah. m- mom in. And uh, Nasty Baby. I really like Nasty I Baby. I did not see that movie. What is that about? What is what is Nasty Baby? Uh, it's a pretty simple premise. I remember seeing it at Bamfest, actually. I forget his name. Uh, he did The director did uh, Crystal Fairy and the Magic Cactus in 2020. Oh, it is. Sebastian Silva. Sebastian Silva, yeah. Uh, he did that movie Tyrone recently. Uh, but yeah, the premise is it's a three-hander. I forget the other actor. It's Wig, one of the guys from TV on the radio. <laughs> The one that acts, Tunde? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I forget the other actor, but like the plot is very simple. It's like someone gets, they're in Brooklyn, uh, someone gets assaulted, and then they deal with the fallout. And it's kind of like a horror movie. Interesting. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of Rosemary's Baby ish um, vibe. Can I it's tell good. you, in the course of, I mean, not to interrupt, please go no, ahead. No, go ahead. No, but go ahead. I was going to say, in the course of talking or looking up things related to this movie, I referenced um, The Good Girl, you know, that Jennifer Aniston mm-hmm. movie. I was unaware that that director had directed both. Beatrice at dinner and this new movie like a boss that's coming out that has the oh yeah i know exactly you're, ta- you're talking about miguel arteta who did yeah, exactly. also cedar rapids which is a great yeah. he, he uh he's an amazing director uh he does lots of really good tv like she he yeah did he did some, um uh, enlightened Succession, enlightened yeah uh his Grayson movies are really good too I, i've seen all his movies uh american horror story uh, i'm a big fan of cedar rapids which i said uh what was that one i'm trying to think of Youth chuck and, and buck Revolt? yeah, yeah chuck Revolt. and buck yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a great director. I always tried. Uh, we, oh, Duck Butter recently was great. Yeah, he's good. a very good director who's never gotten like a full fair shake, but he does always consistently great work. He seems to do like good. He has like consistent work. Yeah, I would TV. say uh, yeah. Good Girl is my least favorite of his movies. Interesting. I mean, I haven't. Um, I can't believe that he did this new movie that's coming out. And it kind of makes me it came interested out already. In it. I kind I kind of want to see it. It's Haddish and Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne is a comedy genius. Hayek, right? Yeah. If you want to be a businesswoman, you're gonna have to act like a boss. You have to fire him. What? Yeah, uh, and Haddish, we know, is so fucking funny. I mean, maybe it's good. It came I, and went out. It's out of theaters. Oh, it's already, already gone? Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. I just see the posters every single day on my way to work. I was yeah. going to go see it. It's a good high-and-see-it movie. I was going to go see it. I think that's everyone's review of <laughs> that movie. I was going to see it, but uh, you know. But I, I get know. DVDs on Netflix, so I'll just put it in that queue one day. Uh, you got every, anything else to say about this film, Caleb? Uh, bu- 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 I'll shout out Elliot Lawrence. Uh, he wrote this movie. Uh, he went on to create a show I've been meaning to check out called Claws that oh, has yeah. Nisi Nash, who I love. And this director also... Um, uh, Shira Piven. Yeah, she also yeah, she, directs on Claws also. She yeah. directs Claws. She directed some Transparent. Uh, she did a great Room 104, uh, which oh, I like yeah. Room 104, which is the Duplass Brothers show they produce. Uh, it starred uh, Sam Richardson, who gave us Baby of the Year, and uh, Steve Little, who is Stevie on um, Eastbound and Down. Okay. Uh, Steve Little has Insomnia. Uh, he punches drywall, punches the wall. So they have to. Uh, Sam's like being really nice to him. It ends in this like really weird horror. He has to hide a foot. Great show, Room 104. Sounds great. Always in the same room, 104. Um. So Caleb, let's say that you have to pick one of these two films, or you're going to be forced to walk naked into your place of ooh, work, ooh. singing a song very sadly. Dun, 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 dun. I will go with Welcome to Me because I always was going to, and. <laughs> Not to say anything bad about Horror School. They do, I thought, again, she's a great actress. Uh, they put a lot of themes out there. Um, and both these movies are kind of uneven, and that might be just the nature of uh, having a mental illness comedy. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I would even say, uh, directing-wise, that Horror School is better. Like, there's some interesting visuals there, uh, and they play more with... There are a lot of interesting yeah, visuals. Yeah, that's like true. Like, the uh, whole, um, like, a portal thing was very interesting. Whereas... Welcome to Me didn't really have too much to, uh, you know, just show Kristen Wiig acting ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing like no signature shot, I guess, outside of that Mountain Goats thing. 
which is not even that great a shot. But yeah, uh, but performance-wise and even just the idea of the movie-wise, it goes to Welcome to Me. Yeah, I would say, like, first of all, I both of these movies are the kinds of movies I like, which are, you know, they're independent movies about, you know, difficult people and they're experimental. They're trying something really weird. I mean, especially Horse Girl is, like, throwing so much shit at the wall and, like, seeing what sticks. And, like, I really like that and I support that. Um, I wouldn't say that it was, like, 100% successful. Um, but I was really, you know, I'm glad for movies like this to exist and, you know, Unfortunately, the format of the show is pitting them in a death match against each other. But I, I would definitely pick Welcome to Me um, because it is it, it is like a lot more enjoyable to watch. It's funnier and it's a little bit more easy to follow as a film, you know. And I and I think it's a little bit better constructed. It's the uh, a peak post bridesmaids wig. <laughs> really is, and I also love the idea that like given the infinite goodwill she must have had in Hollywood, like these are the things that Kristen Wiig wanted to do. Like She's got I, a very I really respect thing. that. She works so much. And now uh, this year, 2020, uh, she's going to be in uh, Wonder Woman. She plays the villain in Wonder Woman. Oh, that's right. I forgot and about then that. Her, and she's reuniting with Annie Mummel, who she wrote. She got a co-Oscar nomination with for Bridesmaids, for writing Bridesmaids. Uh, they're having a movie coming out very shortly. I forget what it's called. Oh, I was going to say, what's it called? Deb but... and Starla go to, I want to say Palm Springs. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. That was not even close. Barb and Star go what to did Vista I say? Del Mar. I forget what I said. Starring her and a bunch Annie of other Mola. people. I... She wrote Bridesmaids. She was in uh, Michelle Darnell, which is actually called The Boss. She was very good in that movie. Okay, uh, she was in Moms, This Is 40. This is 40 Joy, apparently she was in. Yeah, she's a writer. She okay. wrote for SNL. Well, that's all great stuff. Um, thanks so much for coming this time, guys. Thank it was you. so nice to see I you. I appreciate it. Oh, my God. And I wow. love you. Thank God you so much. It. Wow. Uh, catch you later, all right? Y'all ready for this? Bum, bum, bum. Y'all ready for Chris? Shush, 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 shit. Somehow that has literally never occurred to me to say in my entire life, including when that song was the most popular <laughs> song in the world. Damn. Your name rhymes with this. Yeah, that honestly never occurred to me. <laughs>